Hey, you're no witness. You're a suspect. What are you talking about? We got a murder weapon with a nice set of your prints on it. Hey, that's bullshit. Why would I want to kill her? You were there with the razor. You tell me. I told you. There was a blonde woman in yeah, the Yeah, except nobody else saw this blonde woman enter or leave the building. Uh, you didn't notice if she had wings, did you? Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinated with Films. How you been? It doesn't get more organic than that. No. <laughs> uh, how you been? You been, been, been uh, good, uh, playing a lot of golf, starting to get like repetitive motion injuries from oh, playing too much? I have that with my hands from work. Yeah. Uh, I feel like my left hand, it's called the, uh, I'm past 45 and yeah. getting old. Well, shit, he, but you can take, I, it, I could take a break. You can't. That's true. You That's true for now. Yeah, I feel like my left hand is kind of arthritic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It sucks getting old. (laughs) So, I've been doing a whole bunch. I hope everyone enjoyed our last pod, which was Clash of the Titans and Tremors, which would have been on your top 100. Justin's even apologized on it. Justin's like, I know Dave has this probably on his top 100. It's one of his favorites. I should have done it earlier. Yeah. Yeah, so go back and listen to it. We'll talk a, well, we'll talk a little about Maybe I'll talk Tremors sometime, and it's going to be a different talk. <laughs> I mean, I guess if we get that desperate down the road that we need to start repeating just our favorite episodes. Because you've got to imagine out of 300 movies between the three of us, yeah. oh, there'll be there's a, at least 100 overlap. Yeah, there will. Justin will come next week with Big Trouble Old China. Yeah. I'll be like, you son of a bitch. I was going <laughs> to suggest doing Jaws, but I, I always see that as your movie. Yeah, we've seen Jaws. And, well, he actually went to it, and Justin will talk more of it next week for everyone that's listening. Uh, he went to see Jaws 3D over Labor Day. They had a showing like oh, all really? over the country in like certain <laughs> theaters. And the only theater they were playing is like one in Newberry so or something. he's the like, one that went. <laughs> no, a lot of people went. I saw Twitter was you see a buzz that, for it. Did you see that... Uh, Two brothers died on that Jaws bridge in, was it Nantucket or? On the Jaws bridge? What's the Jaws bridge? When when the dad goes, when, remember when he sent oh, when the he kids he's to the, in the lagoon? He sent the kids to the lagoon yeah, yeah. and he jumped over, the, he ran over that little stone bridge. Gotcha, gotcha. Two brothers jumped off one side and the and current was so strong it pulled them out Ooh, and man. they drowned. People do not kind of pay attention with the they water. They're like 20 ye- something years old. Oh, I know what, something I've been meaning to ask you. Why'd you tell Harry Styles to spit on uh, Chris Pine, dude? Um, it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. The, I have been in, that was my Tuesday, man, is enjoying the memes and the stories about what's going on in Don't Worry, Darling. Me and Justin. Justin's diving deep into it, too. Uh, I just heard that. Well, do you know, you know what's going on? Behind the scenes, yeah, the star is not getting along with the director. No, it's 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 a lot more complicated than that, and they tried to spin it another way, which makes it even look worse. At first, before Harry Styles was part yeah, of the, they had, the what's shoot, his name? they had Shea LaBeouf, yeah, and who, from all accounts, has kind of tr- apologized for all weird stuff he's done, and he's he's on the right he path. He does a lot of weird stuff. He's he's dating Mia Goth right now, who's kind of a weird girl, anyways, and she does a lot of horror movies. Uh, but apparently that's not what's been going on that's bothering everyone on the set. What's bothering everyone on the set is that uh, Olivia Wilde cheated on Jason Sudeikis on oh, the set. With Harry Styles. With Harry Styles. And it wasn't just that she did that and it ended the relationship. It They flaunted it. 
like to the point oh, really? to the point where it made everyone on set uncomfortable and Florence Poe didn't want to be anywhere near That's it. Crazy. To the point where Florence Poe is now and I don't think Chris Pine wanted hey, anything to do with either and Florence Poe didn't even like look at Olivia Wilde at that Venice yeah, Film yeah, Festival yeah. and she did her own thing and she wouldn't okay. do a press well, I conference. I feel better for about her than and because then, that's shitty thing. To and put your... Chris Pine's right there with her, I think. And and then he's and they even sat Harry Styles one seat away from uh, Olivia Wilde. And maybe that's what upset Harry Styles. I don't know. But when he you saw him, you saw the video of him coming and spit. I on didn't. Chris Pine. No. Yeah, he he came right in, looked down at Chris Pine, spit on him, and sat down. And Chris Pine was like in the middle of like clapping, and then just stopped and looked down at him. And like look back up at him, so it was like clear as day they did it, which is probably, I think, universally understood as the most disrespectful thing you could do to somebody. So everyone is, but the memes went crazy yesterday. Did they he were like, Holy he, did crap. he retaliate or leave? No, he handled it really well. Okay. Yeah, Chris Pine just just pretended nothing happened and he handled it really well, like a uh, like so, a champ. Like, why, why would you? He's Harry Styles is going to lose so many fans and so many, but. Friends. The promotion it just got for that movie, everyone's going to see the movie because people are saying now we want a movie about making that movie because apparently what's been going on maybe, in the movie set here's has the been thing, really maybe bad. Everybody was in on it, and Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> That's people are joking about that too. It's funny, but mm-hmm. one of the best memes, and I sent it to Justin uh, yesterday. It was like big bold headlines. Holy shit! Harry Styles just threw a dead goat on Chris Pine, and someone had like photoshopped uh, a dead goat getting thrown on Chris mm-hmm. Pine's lo- uh, lap, and he stopped clapping and looked down. At him and then it slid off his lap onto the floor and I was like that's the funniest thing I've ever seen so I think we're going to hear more about that and it comes out in two weeks in, in the theater and it's going to do really well because of that it looks good anyways it kind of looks like uh, Rose, not Rosemary's Baby uh, the Stepford Wives like she's in this perfect town and the guys want him to be perfect and everything but something weird is happening in the town I think it's her take on Stepford Wives so uh, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> so I did watch, I ended up re-watching a bunch of movies this week, uh, but I do have some new ones to talk about on Paul's Movie Nook. Uh, I re-watched you better, you better The Cursed. That. The Cursed and in The Invitation are two of the best horror movies. And since we're, um, hopefully everyone's listening, you saw the two movies we're doing, uh, that we're, it's going to be more of a horror-related episode. So just in that realm the invitation, not the new one. There's a new one that just came out. I, you there's like me the four or five trailer for that. Uh, yeah, there's like four or five movies called The Invitation, and it really irritates the shit out of me. Do a Google Google search here, directors. Nope. Pick a different fucking title. And uh, the one that I like is the one with uh, Logan uh, Logan Marshall Green. It's the guy from and I talked before on it, and it's, it's a fabulous, really tense, no gore, very little gore, if any. Uh, kind of horror movie and the other one is the cursed which is the one with boyd hallbrook about like uh the gypsies being cursed so i rewatched them with my girl and we rewatched, and i watched a couple uh new ones so no- nothing that made my fantastic list i haven't had a- anything to join my fantastic list in weeks but i have had two that went on my very good list and one on my decent list so i'll, I'll talk about the very good ones first they're both found footage movies uh, you know, just the the shaky cam type horror movies that had their. Someone had on Twitter, and if people listen, maybe you saw it because it was kind of trending. Some director put out the top ten list of the top ten found footage movies, and I had seen them all except like three of them. Two of them I could stream 
like on Tubi or Hulu. I'm not sure which one it was. And the other one I had to order. It was like four bucks. I was like, I'll take a chance. And it was called Afflicted. So that's the one I'm waiting to come. But one of them was called Hell House LLC. And it had a great premise. And it was done super well. And it might be my favorite found footage film. And it was a a group of people that were going to put on a, a haunted house at a haunted uh, place in upstate New York, and it's just them building the place and fixing it and putting the clowns down in the basement, but they hear stories about stuff going down in the basement, and they're being interviewed like five years after an incident. They showed the beginning of the movie, like 15 people died in the basement, and now they're revisiting it five years later with a documentary crew, and they're talking about what happened and everything, and it was done really, really friggin' well, really cheaply, too. I think it was like... Uh, um, it must have been done for a few hundred thousand dollars. And it was awesome. And it sp- spawned like three of them, apparently. But the first one was great. Now, when I was looking at the list, I was like, why is Quarantine not on this list? So strange. I thought Quarantine was a really good found footage movie, the one with Jennifer Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and them having me quarantined in the hotel. And it was like a, um, it was, was a, it's like a rabies thing gone yeah. crazy. And they were going to kill everyone in the house. Uh, and something actually was going on in the uh, in the penthouse and everything, and but I had heard on there on this list really high up was something called REC Record or something. It was a Spanish movie, and I put it on, and holy shit, if it's not quarantine, it's quarantine. Quarantine was the remake of okay. the original, which is Record, and I had never known that, and I had Record has been on my like to watch list for like 10 years because it came out in like 2007 and quarantine came out in like 2008 and I just had never known. And it was like, it was almost quarantine was a really good, uh, rendition like shot of it. For shot? It was almost shot for shot. Uh, why it just bother? Because for the American audience, the other one was, uh, subtitled. It was, the other one was in Spanish yeah. and that I can you couldn't get. just overdub. It's, it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to do that. We did it. I really have no problem <laughs> with people. If it's a foreign film, you redoing it because I understand that people aren't going to watch it. You're not going to get the audience that you should watch. And if you can do them right, you get stuff like Let Me In or Let the Right One In. Those are the two really good standards of those. I would put Record and Quarantine up in that same thing of like a remake that's done really well simply to get a new audience in the States. Because that let uh, me in and the let right one in. One was a Norwegian one, and the other one was the one with Richard Jenkins, and they were both phenomenal. I loved them. People forget that uh, that American version. That was directed by the guy who's doing Batman now. Matt Reeves did that one. So Now, one more movie I wanted to talk about a little bit before we get into our uh, thing, and this kind of also falls in t- kind of a horror thing, and it had such an amazing premise to it. Uh, it. The premise was incredible, really, and it just didn't fulfill it so it made it on my decent list, but it started out really strong. It's called Colossal from 2016. And I had heard about this movie, and I knew what the premise was, and I'll, I'll tell you the premise now. So it's got Anne Hathaway in it in a weird role because Anne Hathaway usually only plays like rom-coms and stuff like that. And you're watching her, and you're like, man, if she had made different choices, she really would have kind of been the Brittany Murphy of, uh, of film. She's that type of actor that can kind of do that type I feel of like stuff. I've seen her in some dramatic stuff. I mean, though. she she did Catwoman, I guess, is the one mm. thing. Oh, she's done dramatic stuff too, but most of it's like it, she doesn't take chances. She's not playing a meth head or something yeah. like that, which she could if she wanted to. So what's going on is she she's kind of an alcoholic who's fucking up her life, and she goes back to her hometown. And when she goes back to her hometown, and I'll try to. It's very hard. Uh, it's it's easy to explain, but it's hard to wrap your head around. For some reason. When she goes to the playground, 
and she walks through the playground, a kaiju that's about 300 feet tall is does whatever movement she does in the playground, it does it in Seoul, Korea, and it just destroys the whole city. So she walks through the thing, and the only reason she knows is she has this weird nervous tick where she scratches the top of her head, and she, she's in the playground, and she's on the phone, and she's scratching her head, and she's walking around. She gets home and drinks and wakes up drunk, and her sister's like, turn on the TV now. There was an attack in, uh, in Seoul, and she turns on the TV, and she screams. She's like, oh, my God, there's a monster in Seoul, and you see this monster scratch her head, look like she's talking on a phone, and just walk through these buildings and everything, and she's like, that's a little weird, and it took her a couple more times to realize, holy shit, whatever movements and whatever I do they go within the play, within the play, no, no, it's like one of those things yeah. that you really can't, but you also realize Jason Sudeikis is in the movie himself uh, also, and he can do it too. When he appears, he's like a robot in soul. And she's and, and the, at, there's at points where they fight on the playground and smack the shit out of each other. And the, the crowds are loving it and everything. You can hear them in the background, like in the apartment complexes on the other side of the playground, cheering every time. Because they're watching it. Because they're watching it on TV. And even Tim Blake Nelson is, is in this. And he plays one of their drunk friends at the bar who has the live stream held up. Because when she wants to reveal to him that she can do it, she's like, pull the live stream up. And, she, and they're like, oh shit, the kaiju just appear because when she steps onto the playground it appears and she raises her right hand and the ki- and she's like what's going on he raised his hand and, th- and he's like holy shit he's dancing and she's like oh shit is he dancing <laughs> and so she's dancing and you're seeing the kaju do this and you're like wow this is so strange but they the third act went wild where they tried to turn jason sudeikis into an asshole villain out of nowhere like he was jilted by her because she wanted to date someone else instead of him and he in childhood always wanted her and everything to the point where he was like you better not leave or uh or not date me or i'll go to the playground and i'll fucking stomp around for an hour and and, and kill like hundreds of thousands of people in korea and everything and she's like what the fuck and it it was just a weird thing I have problems with Sudeikis, you know. I feel bad for him. What's going on with the Olivia Wilde thing? But he's not a great actor, and he's you know, and he, he needs to be in certain. You know things. what? He's an unbelievable voice actor. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Archer, he's one of my favorite characters. Okay. He's awesome. He he needs to be in the right he, thing. Oh, he does uh, Rick and Morty. Oh, he does Rick and he's, Morty uh, too. He's the dad, I think. Well, then he needs to stick with that, and he needs to stick with some comedy and everything because. He certainly is not the actor that can pull a villainous switch. Now, if you had put, like, I don't know, like uh, Sam Rockwell in there, someone who could be funny yeah. but also yeah. has a dark streak to him, it, it probably yeah, would have worked. Just he just didn't have a, he doesn't he have a dark streak him. to him. Uh, so, uh, or does he? No, he doesn't. When you're watching it, you're, you're not buying it. He did serve her while she was giving an acceptance speech or an at the, he Oscars? served her divorce papers. Who did? Sudeikis oh, that's did. right. While she was announcing someone. That's right. I forgot during a live. I totally forgot about ceremony. that, and it seemed dickish until now that yeah. we hear mm-hmm. that uh, what she did yeah, with yeah. Harry Styles. I'm telling you, there's a fucking documentary behind that, <laughs> behind that situation. I instantly felt better about him 
Because I thought he was the asshole in this whole thing, to be honest with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and I don't have a problem with him personally or other roles he's in. He was great in, like, horrible bosses and stuff. I, I'm just not buying him as a fucking villain in anything. Yeah. Come on. Blame the I Play someone that could be a villain that you can you can doctor up being nice and sweet at the beginning, and then that shift would seem like it's relevant and everything. So it's definitely worth a watch. It's on HBO Max if anyone wants to check it out. Colossal. It's It's... The idea behind it's so unique that it's just it's it's great. But you know, all right, we're you know what other? Oh, go ahead. You know what other thing is unique? Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh <laughs> shit! Which is Dave's pick this week? Yeah, we're 19 minutes in. Let's get into the. Uh, it's not really a battle, but it's uh, two movies we want to talk about. Dave's picking 1984's. Now, now I went and said the date. Now I'm gonna have to pull up mine. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot what the date of was uh, for mine. All right, so your earlier. date's 1984, and that's the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And mine is 1980's Dressed to Kill, which is the second Brian De Palma movie I've done on here. I did one for Carlito's Way. Love Dressed to Kill and love Nightmare on Elm Street, so it's going to be exciting. And they're both in the horror realm. One's obviously a lot more kind of horror <laughs> than the other. One's more <laughs> thriller kind of related, but bloody and uh, gruesome and scary. To, one of them spawns. For sure. Spawned six or seven sequels in a yeah. in a TV show that was the craziest TV show I've ever seen in my entire life. It's true. Remember when that show came oh, out? Yeah, yeah. You couldn't get through an episode. No, because it, it was like it was like fifteen layers. It was almost like Inception. Like he would you would wake yeah. up from a dream, wake up for a dream, and then that was wake up for a dream, and you're like, what? Is it going was unsettling on? and uh, not scary wise. Or they could have done so well with that, but they went just wild with it, and they didn't include Freddy because apparently the makeup. They were like, well, we want to do something that's on the cheap. We'll have you introduce it like the Crypt Keeper, but other than that. So 1984, when this movie came out, and you had seen it uh, early on, and I've talked about this in the pod before. People probably aren't li- listening to every single one. That I have really vivid memories of this movie just from you telling me about it. And I remember you specifically on Park Street, you shaving in the bathroom and me sitting in there and you telling me blow for blow, then Tina did this, and then Nancy <laughs> went down the hallway and this and that. And maybe my imagination was even worse because I saw what Freddie looked like, and that's all I needed. Yeah. I saw what he looked like, and then I heard what happens, and then for the next month I had nightmares. Uh, it, it was crazy. And it was around the same time that Thriller came out. It was like yeah. there was Nightmare on Elm Street, then Thriller came out like right after that. Did you? How did you see this? Chris Johnson. You went and saw it in the theater? Uh, no, he had a bootleg VHS he had gotten, his parents had gotten or something. Interesting. And I watched it at his grandparents' house right there on the way to Honeydew. Mm-hmm. It was like, uh, damn, I can't remember really many of the streets. It was before I know you got to church street. I could drive there. Yeah, I'm I not can, sure. I, I could walk you, I could tell you yeah. which rights and lefts to take. And I get was you telling there, her but, that. There's, there's certain streets mm-hmm. I don't know the names of, but I could drive you there for yeah. sure. But I watched it there and it it was scary as hell, man. Yeah, there had been nothing like that before no. then. The, I mean, there were so many scary moments in it that it kept you on your seat. But the, like ones that freaked me out was the, was the, when it cut to the dream sequence of him with like his arms really long. That was early on too. Yeah, on there, and then like Tina's body bag like flipping up and dragging herself off. It's like those random things that aren't even the bloodiest type yeah. things, but it's one of those things that sticks in your head. Uh, for me, it was always well. It was always him, but the scene that he really got me. Oh man, he was fabulous, and uh, and I loved all of the sequels too. I mean, this is the great Wes Craven. We're going to talk about two great directors here: Wes Craven and Brian De Palma. Because if you're looking at this script on paper, it 
seems like it's going to be hokey. Oh, it could be. Like, it could be Wes Craven great, or it could be it Roger be, Corman bad. Yeah, it was going to be a silly because because he had some really one line zingers that were supposed to be funny. Yeah, and he pulled them off. Not as many as the later ones. The later, the later ones, ones obviously got real silly. The, well, the second one got even darker. The the weird transition with it is the first one had a tiny bit of comedy, uh, and uh, people were kind of. I think they were. They weren't completely on board with it, so they tried to get rid of the comedy for number two. And number two was so dark and weird and gritty that people kind of turned on. I think people are getting back into number two later. But then three, three was, what was the, Dream Warriors. That was three. That's the one. That three is my favorite. I mean, I can't really go. Nightmare on Elm Street. The first Nightmare on Elm Street is on my top one hundred. Uh, number three would be really close up there would be like 10 uh, like 110 120 something like that because I really enjoyed the third one the third one even I was scared of that one at that when that one came mm-hmm. out I remember like covering probably, my eyes and you certain, were probably well in 84 I probably I was about to turn 9 chances are I was 8 when you were telling me about Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. so really young for an 8 year old but I was clearly into horror movies unbelievable even, effects for the time the, like, like you when, said if they hadn't gone with great makeup on him, mm-hmm. it could have been just a stupid mask, yeah. and that makeup looked intense. I mean, he looked yeah. like a burn victim. Yeah, I mean the backstory about him was cool. Yeah, that was crazy. The the uh, if you go back and watch it, the soundtrack, the not the soundtrack, but like the the uh, noises. Foley noises and the stuff. Like noises, when you yeah. would go into his his den or his lair, when there'd be like, like the goats. start of it, there'd be like goats in the background, like screaming and babies screaming, like anything mm-hmm. you could think of to make grating like metal on the sides. Oh, of- they definitely went, went with the metal noises and the factory sounds and everything. Because you remember the mm-hmm. movie opened with him making his glove. Jason Tyler and I made, made a realistic one. They have a, really good ones real, too. A real one with like yeah. knives. We had uh, shaved down with his dad had like a grinder or something. <laughs> Like, what do we do with this thing now? Just scare people. Just scare people. <laughs> well, he wanted to have it as a Halloween costume. Yeah. Makes sense, because when this movie but came now out... now they would shoot you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you had knives on your fingers and you were scaring little kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot this guy. You could do that stuff in the 80s. No, yeah, you couldn't do that now. Uh, yeah. The scene that really got me was when Tina died and was on the ceiling in the, the pool of blood and her oh, boyfriend yeah. in the room. Johnny Depp. And, well, that, that wasn't the boyfriend. The boy, uh, okay, that the boyfriend was, was Nancy's Italian boyfriend. With well, the the big Italian dude. Yeah. Because even as a little kid, I was like, oh my God, he didn't do it. And he's going to get blamed for this shit. Yeah. I really felt yeah, bad yeah. for him. And then he didn't deal with it the right way. Like he was like, remember, he, uh, he hid in the bushes and jumped out at Nancy. And that's where they got him in the street. Not we should mention uh, the great John Saxton playing the dad in this mm-hmm. movie, who I love. I've loved John Saxton since Enter the Dragon. He's a badass in Enter the Dragon. People don't forget they see some of his later stuff when he's playing a dad or he's playing like uh, the cop in Black Christmas or the, obviously the cop in this movie. Go back and watch Enter the Dragon, where he was a legit badass out there, like fighting Bruce Lee and shit. And you don't picture that guy fighting anybody, but he, he was really good in Enter the Dragon. Uh what are some other? Because I'm assuming most people know Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. What What would be some of your favorite scenes from this? More than just shots. I mean, this the bathtub scene. The bathtub with scene. her now, now in you're there with her headphones here. on, yeah. and it was like one of the only bright scenes in the movie. At the it time. is really bright, and she's listening to her music, uh, her headphones on, sitting out in the tub, and the water's like up to here, and. But then they cut to this reverse angle that yeah, almost she's looks like under. open water shot 
from that open <clears throat> the open water where you're hundreds of feet underwater. It's really they, this was the first time they really played with the dream type yeah. types in in movies in general. Not well, in they this did particular a good, movie. But. This series was good at you were watching something and you didn't you should be waiting knowing that it's yeah, yeah. probably a dream, but then it isn't. It, Our minds like, are tricking now. Like, how did I not know that? Like this is exactly what they told me they were going to do. Yeah, well, that's what it is too, and it's. I think our minds are triggered today to realize that oh, when her he- when her head when her eyes close, you can assume everything after that point is a dream, which it was, but we didn't realize that watching it in 1984. In 1984, it took us a while. You were like, oh shit, what's going on? And then when she jolts up awake, you were like, holy fuck, she's she's I've dreaming. Never, I've never done LSD or any <laughs> type of hallucinogenic jug. But what I have done it before is like stay up for like three or four days oh, and straight. It makes you loopy. And and just they had to remember they could. I mean, at one point they were trying not to fall asleep. Cause yeah, they were like you're gonna die if you fall asleep. Oh yeah. And, like, and just the the state you're in, like it's just kind of weird. It was really interesting. I love the concept that the adults fucked this guy up. And he was a child it's rapist. like he deserved it. Though. Yeah, no, I mean, he's a child <laughs> rapist. And, uh, and, and even in the remake, you got to see it happen. In the remake, uh, Clancy Brown was like the leader of the mob. And they like cornered Freddy at the factory. Yeah, and they threw in the Molotov cocktails. Might be the only good thing about the remake, to be honest with you, was that whole thing. I didn't buy Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy. And uh, I like him. I just didn't like him in this role. I didn't like the movie itself anyways. I'm, I'm hot and cold on, like, I'm like 50-50 on a lot of the remakes. Some of them are done really well. The Friday 13th one is probably one of the better ones. But to be able to see that was cool. And then in, like, number three, when you got the, uh, when he talked to the mother at the nun, and you realize, yeah. and that really put you off because you were like, wait a second, this girl was raped by, like, she was... <laughs> The story was that Freddie's like mom was locked demons. into, like, for a long holiday weekend, locked into some, like, cell with, like, 50 of the most gruesome, like, murderers in the world, and they just, like, raped her. So Freddie Freddy is, like, the child of a, a thousand maniacs or something like that is what they call her. And I was like, ooh, man, when you really break that down and think about it, it's really fucked up. <laughs> this was supposed to be a fun movie. <laughs> and Republicans were in charge of abortion at that <laughs> yeah. point, so. That was see. Yeah, yeah, see. Abortion. And, I, I love uh, the progression the movie's made, you know, all the way through, and it, it kind of went all the way through number six. I liked Freddy versus six. Jason. Freddy versus Jason when it got, when it turned to shit. Now, Justin might disagree with me there. Hey, but they probably, they probably, there was probably some people appreciated the crossover. You're of that age, man. It, it's similar, and I don't want to get off track here, but all the love that uh, Brandon Frazier's getting right now, yeah. it's like a Brandon Frazier love fest, and people forget. People are like, why is Brandon Fraser getting... I said, the Mummy movies, man. The Mummy movies is a whole generation of kids that love those fucking movies so much. And they realized he was a nice guy. And you, you forget... Movies that are generational, you know, that we forget. Ah, that movie was crap. Who likes that movie? No, there are a lot of people like that movie. <laughs> I don't want to give Brandon Fraser shit, but if you're that level of actor... You gotta stay in shape, and you gotta like take care. Well, of he had he had uh, emotional distress too. Oh, did he? Well, he was raped. He was sexually assaulted. That's the reason he left the business to, in general. At so what, I think he's been what through, age? Uh, when he was an adult, like oh. after bamboo, uh, not bamboozled. What is that? Uh, what's the one where bedazzled? Bedazzled. The one where uh, friggin' uh, Elizabeth Hurley was the devil and everything. That might have been the last movie I saw him in. And then uh, it was shortly after that there was it was he was definitely part of the Me Too movement. It was Hollywood execs that like uh, that groped him and everything. And he ended up leaving the business. And uh, yeah, well, people forget too. Like when 
he's starting to look really good now. I mean, he looked good in the uh, in the Venice Film Festival. People forget he's doing that whale movie. Yeah, yeah, that that's yeah. a suit they put I, on. I, I watched a little thing. It weighed six hundred pounds. They put something on him to look six hundred pounds. Yeah, but yeah. the suit weighed a hundred pounds. Yeah. So he he had trouble moving around in it, much like to what it would be like to. If you're a gambling man, I guarantee you he's winning the Oscar for that. Guarantee it. There's not many guarantees in this world. Put money on Brandon Fraser winning for yeah. the whale. I heard the movie was. Oh, it's was depressing okay. as shit. It's fucking Darren Aronofsky, yeah. dude. It's the yeah. Requiem for a Dream guy. You're not going to go in there and come out having a good time. But you could see some great acting, great shots, great directing, mm-hmm. and that's what I'll do. I'll, I mean, I'm going to go see it, but it's. I don't think it's going to be a love fest <laughs> or or a happy thing, but. I never feel that way when I'm about to see an Aronofsky movie. Do you ever see Mother? Oh, still one of the greatest movies, man, that no one's seen. I love that Mother movie, man, but it's <laughs> fucked up. Hey, David, we're going to see Aronofsky and Lazar on Cheer yeah, yeah, yeah. Film Festival. <laughs> which one? Which one are you <laughs> looking for? Two straight days. One, six films from one guy yeah. on one day and six from Let's another. Let's watch Mother and then watch The House That Jack Built. Woohoo! <laughs> I love both those movies, though. But uh, it's a hard one to get through. I, if I, the House That Jack Built is a movie I will recommend to a certain person. Yeah, certain people. But I'll be I'll like, you got to watch this movie. This movie is... It's good. Fuck. It's probably the best movie done on serial killers, but it's a difficult one to watch. Uh, yeah. That mother was... It was all uh, an allegory for other shit. So you went into it, and the whole movie didn't make sense. All you knew that w- was that uh, Jennifer Lawrence wanted to have this great uh, kind of time in her new house with her husband, and... Uh, People just kept coming over the house, and the husband kept inviting him in, inviting him in, and it got crazy. It turned into a balls-out horror movie, but it was very tense. It was like you had a bad nightmare uh, w- watching the movie. It was crazy, but it was effective for sure. Similar to Nightmare on Elm Street, you know? I mean, once it came out, people were like, oh, shit. <clears throat> and this was the time period where there were... I mean, there were... There were it was already Friday 13th. Yeah. Friday 13th has already been going on strong, and people were looking for that new horror thing, yeah. you know? Even Saw, if we jump forward 20 years, yep. Saw had it too, where it was like a a new movie every uh, Halloween. The last three Halloweens, we've had Halloween movies. Mm-hmm. So everyone's wondering, well, what's going to be the next one, you know? And I like the idea. He could probably still do that, that Freddy. Is he I, still I, alive? Uh, oh, yeah. And he did it in uh, the Goldbergs. He came back and donned the makeup on. He could do it easily. I mean, it's one of those things you just throw makeup on them and everything, and you, you bring them back. You bring them back in like a Jason type of way. The last couple of weeks, they've been talking about they've been the rights to the Friday Thirteenth movies. Sean Cunningham owns the rights to. I think where it gets difficult with the Friday Thirteenth movies is the first one is Sean Cunningham owns it, but Jason really wasn't in the first one, so the second uh, one. Or the fo- the following seven or eight uh, is owned by somebody else, and Sean Cunningham actually owns the name for it and everything, and they can't come at odds. Like, come on, man! Don't you both mm-hmm. want to win, make money? It's by one of the other person. No, I don't yeah. care who does it. Yeah, you're gonna live. And those guys are old, man. Take take one of you take the paycheck, and the other one keep take the dive and keep it going because people would go and watch those movies, man. Yeah. And I mean, were you a fan? I of- feel bad for the Cunningham guy because Jason is the movie oh yeah jason's the movie <laughs> so for sure uh you, you could just call the movie jason yeah and you don't even need it's true i mean I, I mean i bet they thought of that too i'm not sure now were you fans of the other nightmare on elm streets yeah i liked them 
Which one do you like, the Dream, Dream Warriors? Warriors. Yeah, it's almost universal, man. I think most people... That was the fun one. The Dokken, right? The, the Dokken did the, uh, the Dream, Dream Warriors theme track. It was a pretty popular Once song. you realized, oh shit, they're really embracing the fact that they can... Because not until then, or even after then, for the most part, did these kids embrace the fact that they could do whatever they fuck they want yeah. in these movies. Long, if you didn't... What was it? As long as you didn't believe in them. Yeah. As long as you didn't believe he had any power, but, he couldn't hurt you. Yeah, but the guy turning into a wizard, you could have done that. Number one, Nancy could have done yeah. that. And she just didn't realize the possibilities of what you could do. Most of it was where hostages in our they dreams. They were just trying to stay alive. In the third one, they kind of broke the binds of, oh, shit, we're not hostages in our they dreams anymore. Ass at a bunch. Yeah, and I love the three and four kind of paired perfectly together because it's still got Joey in it and it's got Kincaid, who's the big, uh, the big black dude. And there was one of the other people from Dream Wars, I think, in it too. And it was the only one that had those carryover characters like that other than when Nancy would show back. I also liked... She probably goes to cons. Oh, yeah, she goes to cons. She's got a new horror movie coming out now too. I'm not sure what it is, but it's, it's something uh, obviously not Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, she goes to a lot of cons. So does Tina, the girl from uh, Better Off Dead, who uh, still looks fabulous. But I uh, follow her on Twitter, and she uh, she makes the rounds and does all that, which is awesome. I love that they can still do that. Uh, it sucks that Wes, number one, Wes isn't there anymore. Uh, I love the the big swing they took with New Nightmare. Just when people explained it to you for the first time, it was one of the most enjoyable things to me. I'm not sure if it was you or I heard it from someone else who was like, have you heard what the hell's going on with New Nightmare? It's like Freddy coming out of the movie. And John Saxon's playing John Saxton. And Will, and uh, Wes Craven's playing Wes yeah. Craven. And I was like, well, that's fucking genius. And uh, even uh, the kid from uh, who played Gage in Pet Cemetery played Nancy's kid in it and everything. So. It's almost like, um, what was that? What was that horror show that, Changed casts, just flipped their casts. Oh, the American Horror Story? American yeah, Horror yeah, Story. Yeah, yeah. The Roanoke one. That's the one which, my girl likes. I like that one. And yeah. I think I hear more shit about people hating that one than any other. She loves it. But it was also had the same idea. It was like a reality people that were actors. Mm-hmm. And then like then you saw them in real life. I just got sick of those actors after a while. I did too. It, it really... Uh, I, I love Sarah Paulson when it started, and now I just roll my eyes when I see her in like a Ryan Murphy production. I'm like, Jesus, pick somebody else. Yeah. And I mean, and I shouldn't. Those are all great actors that are in it and everything. Uh, but I always try episode one or two of those, and then I'm out. I just stop caring. It's not that they're bad. I didn't. It's just like, I only eh. got two episodes into the hotel one. Yeah, that one was that was the worst one. That's when they started turning. Up until then, it was decent, and then it started turning that, on the I was hotel like, one. Yeah, this is. Yeah, so I was out. But yeah, the first I, one was great. Yeah, I like the first one. Uh, there's a lot of good horror movies out right now, though. So we're watching The Patient right now, with uh, which is kind of a horror esque thing. With Steve Carell plays the therapist that uh, the guy from Ex Machina, the, the redheaded guy that's talking to her in Ex Machina. You, He's a have, serial killer. Do you have Kingdom Hospital? On no, but that's TV? a good one. That's a good one. I liked it. Wasn't, it. it was it, weird. It was, the, the, effects super were, the effects weren't didn't hold up but the story held up yeah. i thought i thought it was really good it was also very lynchian type yeah type stuff. and it was stephen king had a hand in it right yeah yeah that was uh i mean he had a big kind of his backstory well him getting hit by the car yeah. at the beginning of the movie that I was read about the whole incident again yeah like he like sat on the side of the road he shouldn't li- have been lied on the side he, of the road uh, stephen king should not have fucking lived through that and he did yeah. and he's lived a long time and he's still doing well so yeah. damn you almost cut him in half it's crazy yeah 
What was I saying? Yeah, The Patient. The Patient's a great show on Hulu if you want to check it out. Steve Carell's being held. He's a therapist being chained chained in his basement by this kid who's a serial killer. And it's done really well. The episodes are only 20 minutes long. And like he, he's like, don't do anything unless you talk to me, you know? And uh, you find out that the guy's mother lives upstairs, and the mother knows about it. And the mother comes downstairs and has therapy sessions with Steve Carell as he's like chained to the desk and everything <laughs> and is cool with it. And in the latest episode, the kid finally brought some, brought like a victim to the house and like dragged him through the room with Steve Carell's there. And Steve Carell's just watching him walk through and doesn't say a word. And my only problem is, is there 20 minutes. I think a lot of people might like that, but it's like right when it gets started, you're like, oh shit, what the fuck? The problem is, I just should have, I should let him rack up and watch them all at once. Yeah. yeah, that's really that's your key. fault. That is my fault. All right, let's get into my film here, which is 1980s Dressed to Kill. Mm-hmm. I've gone on the pod many times. One of my favorite directors of all times is Brian De, De Palma. I love Carrie. I love Scarface, Dressed to Kill, Blowout, Carlito's Way. I, most all his movies up until like Femme Fatale, Black Dahlia, that's where I kind of lost it Snake with Eyes. him. Snake Eyes I liked. That probably was the last one that I really liked by him uh, because it was it was unique enough and you got to see Nick Cage going full Nick Cage. and uh, uh, Raising He Kane. went three-quarter Nick Cage. Raising Cane's an awesome one yeah. uh, by De Palma. Tons of his movies could have been on my top 100, but Dress to Kill is always one of my favorites, man. It, a lot of it comes back in, uh, I just got, uh, I've been buying a lot of uh, some old school VHSs. The uh, the horror ones are very valuable and hard to find and even harder to find in good shape. Well, I found a great copy that's in the mail now for Tearing the Isles. Uh, and Tearing the Isles is on my top 100 list. It's just a difficult movie to talk about because it's just clips of different horror movies. But, one of the things that did for me and for you probably, for Matt and for a whole slew of other people is got us introduced to horror movies that we've never even known existed mm. until we saw the clip on Terror in the Isles. So I saw a whole bunch of clips from Dress to Kill on Terror in the Isles way before I saw the film in its entirety. So I had no idea what it was about except that it was a little sexy. The one, it, that, the one that was like, I want the hat. Yeah, yeah, I own that. And I, I went through called? Alone in the Dark. Okay. With uh, Martin Landau. It was a great movie, man. He was a weird-looking dude. Yeah, it's him, and it's got... Um, what's the guy from City Slickers that does the one-arm push-ups? Oh, uh, uh, Curly? Yeah, yeah, Curly's gold. <laughs> the guy from, uh, from, John, from Batman. Um, Damn, I don't think it's John. No. Damn, I can't think of his name. But, uh, yeah, it was him and a bunch of escaped mental patients in Alone in the Dark. It was such a great one. Uh, but, yeah... A long time ago, I had gone down that end credits list and made a list of the movies that I had never heard of. And this was pre-internet. like And I would bring that list to the video store and I would buy them, I rent them and see which is the movie that I didn't know this was. And a lot of them, like MS-45, that's the one where that girl was raped and she came back and she hit the guy in the head with the iron. Mm -hmm. And then she takes them all out in that courtyard and everything. That's MS-45, an Abel Ferrer movie uh, that I still don't own. And I I definitely saw it, but once. So that movie's uh, great for a lot of things. Like I said, Dressed to Kill. Uh, specifically, that's where I get all my great clips from it. But when you watch it, do you remember Dress to Kill? I, once you start talking about it, I, somebody witnesses a murder in the elevator. Yeah. 
Well, before that, don't so we quite see know who it is. The movie starts off with like one of the most risque scenes. Is that the bath shower? That's scene? the shower scene. She had a body double. I she did have a body double. I saw the making of the documentary for Just Kills really fabulous, which I understand. That, that's and Margaret. No, not uh, do it. Angie Dickinson. Angie Dickinson. I confuse those two all the time, though. That's funny that you do too, because uh, they're two totally different people. Yeah. But I, I always confuse those two. Yeah, Angie Dickinson is the woman at the beginning of the movie, and she's having this like sexy dream about taking a sensual shower, and she's kind of masturbating in the shower, and then all of a sudden a guy comes behind her and it, it's and puts his hand like over her, and it, it ends up getting violent, and then he grabs her mouth and she's trying to scream and her husband's like outside the uh, shower shaving and everything and it's, it's like this weird dream but they showed like full bush oh, yeah. like full bush and everything and you're like well that and what's disturbing is back at that time everyone probably thought that was Angie Dickinson I mean oh yeah 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 everyone and maybe it helped her career it probably it did. probably did but she knew deep down that it wasn't it wasn't her so she's kind of sexually repressed and she's going to her therapist who's Michael Caine and a really great performance by Michael Caine. And when things start to go crazy, is she she ends up going to a museum and literally is like picks a stranger up. It picks a stranger up, and uh, she even lays her uh, her glove down for him to uh, to find it That's and everything. And she leaves the museum, and then they have uh, a tryst like in the uh, in the taxi cab. Takes her back to her apartment. She wakes up in the middle of the night and she's leaving and she writes him a like almost thank you letter. Thank you for a great time this afternoon. Maybe we can do this again. And she leaves it on the desk and she sees something in the desk and she opens the desk and it's a positive for venereal disease thing from the health clinic. And she's like, holy shit, I just had sex with somebody who's got a venereal disease. So she's already already heightened emotion. So she just wants to leave. So she ends up... uh, quickly leaving the uh, apartment instead of what probably people would have done today was like kick him awake hey motherfucker what the hell is this <laughs> uh, shit and so <clears throat> she leaves the apartment and she gets in the elevator she gets down to about the first floor and she realized holy shit she forgot her fucking wedding ring in the Ooh. apartment so she's got to go back up so she goes back up the elevator and when she goes back up the elevator when the door opens this uh this big kind of bulky woman uh with dark sunglasses and a black trench coat Bond comes hair. comes in with a straight razor and just slices her up in one of the coolest scenes you've ever seen they use like that reflective mirror in mm. the corner to get some of the shots yeah they get some shots from the hallway this is this is where Brian De Palma excels, is with his shots, his Dutch angles, mm-hmm. his camera sweeps. Uh, all his stuff is brilliant. His split screen, he'll just go to split screen in the middle of a fucking movie. Yeah. Who does that? Tarantino. And it works really, really well. Tarantino, Tarantino, Tarantino will do it because Tarantino's favorite director is Brian De Palma. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense. That's why he would do it. But if you go back and you watch Carrie, like that scene where Travolta's being killed and they went yeah. to split screen and you see Carrie and John Travolta at the same time, you're like, what the hell? I'm not sure they've done that in a really mainstream popular movie till then but well, here's the cool thing if you if you're a director and you do that stuff early on and people like your stuff you can do it oh yeah you get now you have free reign to kind of do people put up with a lot of what would be considered bad to palma for a long time just because of his camera shots like femme fatale and dolly were not good movies but they were shot really fucking well so you got that i'm not sure what he's doing now if he's just stopped he's doing it all together i mean he's got so many great movies under his belt that he could just Old. Relax. I mean, he's definitely old. <clears throat> he probably but owns a winery. I think that's probably when you should just do producing and stuff like that. 
I mean, yeah, stamp your name Roger Corman's like 98 and he's out there right now in Miami on a boat making a movie. So <laughs> that guy's crazy though. So anyways, once that murder happens, the elevator goes down and then on the next floor when it opens up, that's where uh, Nancy Allen is. Mm-hmm. And Nancy Allen, very big uh, in De Palma movies. She was in Carrie. She was in this. She was in Blowout. And she was married to De Palma at some point. Uh, <clears throat> always good. Always, uh, I always liked her and she was in Terror in the Isles. She was one of the narrators for mm-hmm. Terror in the Isles. And so she sees the aftermath and so she gets brought into the uh, the police station. Well, doesn't she... Doesn't she see that the person's still in there? She catches a glimpse of yeah of a reflection in in something. Angie Dickinson when the door opens. Angie Dickinson is still half alive yeah. and she's reaching out yeah. towards her. And Nancy Allen kind of reaches in towards her, but then looks up at that angled yeah. camera and realizes the killer's still in the fucking yeah. elevator. And then the elevator door shuts and she just pulls her hand back and lets the elevator go down. So she immediately goes to the uh, cops. Angie Dickinson's son is Keith Gordon in the movie. You know the uh, the kid who went crazy in Christine, and he was in Back to the Back to School. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. weird looking kid. Yeah, yeah. He's a big director now. He's he, he? he's directed a lot of <coughs> a lot of good stuff and a lot of like good de- for him. Yeah, he's awesome uh, apparently, and uh, I love listening to him talk because he had a great like childhood of watching some of the best directors. People forget all the big movies that Keith Gordon was in growing up. He was in one of the Friday Thirteenth, wasn't he? He was in one of the slasher movies because I can picture him with his hat on and everything. Yeah, I think he was in one of the Friday Thirteenth, maybe two. Not sure, but Keith Gordon's awesome. So there's a great scene, one of my favorite scenes, and uh, the the movie actually starts. Uh, this podcast actually starts with a clip of uh, when you hear the clip. It's from the clip with uh, Dennis Franz. I haven't heard yet. I love Dennis Franz, man. People forget he was also a big. Uh, to Palma Staple. I loved him in Blowout. He was the guy that recorded the accident when when uh, Travolta was out mm-hmm. there doing the audio recording. He was doing the video recording uh, of it to, for an insurance scam. He always plays a scumbag, and I, I love him <laughs> as a scumbag. And what's weird is I don't know him from NYPD Blue. I never saw a single episode of it, but I love him in the Palma movies, in Die Hard 2. I, I love what's... Die Hard 2 is pretty much... That's how he that's is. In, how he that's is. how he is in a lot of his movies. I don't think that's obviously how he is in real life, but he just plays that really well as that annoyed guy. But one of my favorite roles was the small role in Dressed to Kill, where he's like interviewing Michael Caine, and then he interviews Nancy Allen, and he's just he's just sharp, and you can the dialogue that he delivers and the way that he delivers it uh, is just so funny, man. Just a big it's spoiler really alert to this movie. Huge spoiler. I'm uh, debating if we should even mention the spoiler alert uh, or the spoiler at the end, but I can tell you some of the stuff leading up to it. So the the kid is really smart. It's established at the beginning that he's a tech genius and everything. And he bugs the office where Dennis Franz is talking to Nancy Allen and with Michael Caine. So he's hearing everything that they're saying. And Dennis Franz calling Angie Dickinson a whore who's just going around town picking dudes up and and got slaughtered. So that's how Keith Gordon's hearing this whole thing. And he's like, I don't buy this thing. He ends up uh, seeking out Nancy Allen. He's like, I, I need, I'm going to solve this mystery ourselves. And she's like, well, I'll help you solve it. And so they kind of work together to kind of figure out what's going on and at the same time you realize there's a killer out there killing people and there's uh leaving creepy messages on michael kane's uh answering machine so you're assuming that it's one of michael kane's patients because he's a uh, psychologist and keith gordon had the same thought so he set up this like camera outside michael kane's uh uh doctor's office so he could see all the patients going in and then he could narrow down the patients he's a really smart kid man and, uh, yeah, one of the calls that comes in on the answer machine is, I took your razor. 
I did it again. You can't stop me and everything. And Michael Caine immediately goes over and looks up, opens his case and realizes one of his razors is missing and everything. And he's, he's trying to figure it out on his own. So all different people trying to figure it out. And then it comes to this amazing conclusion. And I'm pretty sure that if an audience member today who is not familiar with it was to watch it, they'd probably figure this out. Back in 1980, no one saw the no. ending coming. It was a shocking I mean, you can ending. Spoil it. it's a well, I'll, 40, I'll spoil it. 42-year-old movie. Yeah, but I'll, it's coming with a spoiler alert. So if you have not seen Dress to Kill, please stop it's, the pod yeah. right now, watch it, and then come back so you can hear about us talk about the ending here. So this is definitely a spoiler alert. So it, it comes all the do we way. Put down. music in here. Do, 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 do. So it uh, <laughs> it comes all the way down to Nancy Allen trying to seduce Michael Caine just so she can get his uh, book of patients because she wants to know who was the That's patient. That's dedication to that. Yeah. Ca- well, she was a prostitute anyways. So, oh, okay. so yeah, that was like oh, was the she? big thing. Yeah, yeah, she was a prostitute. Uh, that's what she was doing in the building when a- a- Angie Dickinson got killed. She was out visiting one of her Johns. So it, it was uh, second nature to her. So what she did not realize is that, and I, here it is, I guess we'll just say it right out and then it will, we'll work our way up to it. Michael Caine's the killer and he's been in drag. And when he gets turned on by any of his patients kind of talking about their sexual nature, specifically Angie Dickinson, it triggers a split personality almost similar to like Raising Cain. He really went into it a little bit deeper in Raising Cain, but a similar type thing. So Michael Caine would put lipstick on and they did a really great job of keeping us from guessing because they had a different actor play her, mm-hmm. play Michael Caine as a woman. They had a, they actually had a woman come in and do it. And, uh, and so that's that was a good trick to keep us from figuring out who it was because they did show her at a different, couple they different spots. They did that in uh, they did that in Zodiac. In Zodiac, they had somebody else. They had somebody other than the, that one dude, uh, John Carroll Lynch. Yeah, yeah. because if you saw his say, body, if you saw his body type, you would say that's that dude right there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so they did a good thing where like we're watching Nancy Allen in the in the doctor's office, and Keith Gordon's outside in the rain. And he's watching through the window of what's going on, and he sees the the killer come in there, and then to even more make it kind of a, a twisty thing, the the big woman who was playing Michael Caine's character as a woman mm-hmm. was also a female cop in the movie, and playing so she played dual roles, so she's behind Keith Gordon and grabs Keith Gordon, so it really made the viewer think, what the hell's going on? Nancy Allen's about to be attacked in there, but Keith Gordon just got snatched outside, but. He was actually just snatched by the female uh, uh, cop. And then when Michael Caine tried to do uh, to kill Nancy Allen, guns come out. Michael Caine falls on the ground. His wig falls off. He's like doing like this creepy laughing thing. It's almost the first time you got to see Michael Caine do anything kind of like off kilter and weird yeah. like that. Uh, and I mean, at that time, 1980, they knew him from like... Death uh, the Death Trap or The King. Uh, what was the uh, the one that I really love? Uh, the Man Who Will Be King Marnie. came out. Marnie? Uh, Get Carter had come out. Get what? Carter. Get Carter had come out. I said Marnie, but I... You mean Marty? Marty was the Ernest Borgnine one. No, Marnie, M-A-R-N-I. Oh, no, that was Sean Connery. Yeah. Yeah, that was Sean Connery. That was the Hitchcock one. That was a great one. No one even talks about Marnie. That blew me for a loop there for a second. I love Marnie. I thought it was great. Uh, that was him and the chick from the the birds. Was it Melanie Griffith's mom? What the hell's oh, her name? Tippy Hedren. Yep, yep. She was good in that. 
Yeah, I love Dress to Kill, man. If you're if you're a De Palma guy, dark. and they're all dark, they're all dark, but they're all really well uh, told stories with great angles and great the, actors. He's gonna have to photograph background type of guy. He might. You would think he would, but he's very seemed similar. Like he at least went to film school. Like he. Really oh yeah, no, he went with. It was him, George Lucas, and Spielberg. They were oh, all great who? friends. <laughs> yeah, those are the, the two. Triumvirate of those nobody's. are the two dudes. <laughs> Wonder what their combined net worth is. But yeah, there was that famous story that uh, send me your guys, I'll send you my guys. Well, the Star Wars and uh, Carrie were being f- sure. filmed, and uh, uh, the casting was happening at the same time. So they sat in on the same casting. So everyone that tried out for Star Wars also tried out for Carrie. I wonder if there was one where they both wanted them, and and. Uh... Well, William Cat was up for both of them. William Cat was very close to being Luke Skywalker, he, and he ultimately he went. Been, he would have done fine. Yeah, and he ultimately went as Tommy in Carrie, and which was was great. Uh, yeah, he would have been good. I mean, he he would have been just as good. Uh, I like Mark Hamill, but Mark Hamill. Uh, I mean, he was he was just He's, as green back then as yeah. anybody else. But he did. He had a good rapport with with uh, Harrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, like good back and forth. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. what really. Made but I think it. the other guy. Would but have if you to... watch all those casting I, just, I grew up watching a lot of American Hero. Greatest yeah, American Greatest American Hero. Hero in House. I loved him in House, the original horror movie House. He was great in. Uh, but if you go back, this the documentary on. It might be on Carrie or it might be on Star Wars. It might be on both of them. You get to see a lot of those casting sessions, and they're really phenomenal. You get to see Kurt Russell reading Han Solo lines and killing it, like. Uh, Kurt Russell must have come really close to getting that Han Solo role because he really did a good job with his reading for it. So it's it's just fascinating when you think that of those two big directors sitting in there and kind of uh, getting all these actors and oh I'll take that one and you take that one and uh, so I don't know if they were released on the same time uh, because I know the original Star Wars came out in '77. I'm not sure when Carrie came out, but uh, yeah, it's one of those moments when those uh, big directors come on screen and uh, on the scene at the same time, and you're like, "Oh, these guys to watch, man!" And we got those directors now, Ari Aster, and a, a lot of these really great uh, directors that are out there. Uh, Olivia Wilde was on her uh, on her way of being one of those people, and she might have shit her career uh, together. I don't. I think she can recover from this. No, she will. It's like a person. In, it's personal. In, interpersonal infidelity stuff. It's just it's fun. It's, it's the unprofessional. It's the unprofessionalism. Yeah, she probably lost a bunch of people that will never work with her. Yeah. No, but that but that's a killer. That's a it killer is, right but there. But she'll always be able to find somebody. Because I loved her movie, especially Bo- if this movie does well. That's, that's all they care. Do you ever see Booksmart? That was her first movie, and no. it was phenomenal. It was it was like uh, it was the female uh, Superbad. Okay. Uh, Superbad's the right name, right? The one with Jonah Hill mm-hmm. and Michael Cera. Yeah. Uh, it was the female Superbad, and it was fucking hilarious. At, at times, it was even funnier than Superbad. I loved it. They got Jonah Hill's, and to make it even. A, even crazier pairing it was Jonah Hill's sister playing hit the, the kind of the, the Jonah Hill character the, almost the Jonah Hill character in it and I thought that was really funny uh, she also played Monica Lewinsky in the uh, oh. in that TV series the American crime story or whatever the hell it was she was good I liked her in that but yeah, that's dress for kill. So if you're uh, you're dress into to kill. dress to kill, sorry, dress for kill. Dress that's, probably, else. that's probably a Van Damme movie, <laughs> <laughs> or a, or as Steven Seagal movie. It certainly should be because he only has the three name movies. Yeah, man, out for justice. He's gonna have a lot Un- more. Oh, he did Under Siege though. That's yeah, two. That's words. a little uh, different. That was a better one though. <laughs> but <laughs> Mark for death, out for justice, above. The law. Yeah, you're above right. Above the no, it, no, they're all like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what was the other one? What was the, the oil one on deadly ground? On deadly ground. On deadly ground. <laughs> but the uh, that bad guy in in uh, out, out for, for justice. Justice. Yeah, William Forsythe. William Forsythe. 
that was one of the craziest. Still bad one of guys. the top villains. He'd be on my top ten villains yep. of all time. First fifteen minutes of that movie, you get to see it's he, he set that up to be a badass. Yeah, he might have been. We did a best villains episode, I think, and he might have been your on your list. He had to. Be. He might have been because yeah, he's definitely one of the best villains. But yeah, this is a this is a good uh, Halloween episode because we already at my house we already busted out some of our Halloween decorations. Back it's like in September. July. September now it's like we did it the other day so September mm-hmm. 5th it was just you know it's earlier every year and we get to enjoy having uh my girl's been gone crazy on like the bone animals she just ordered six more she ordered oh. born nice. uh bone piranhas and uh and scorpions and uh all sorts of different stuff so it's gonna be exciting somebody's making money yeah no it's very popular right now if you go to Target all the bone animals are like the thing because you can leave them outside or you can bring them inside it's one of those things that's cool both ways so yeah, I'm looking forward to a lot of the good horror movies that are coming out this uh, this season. Now, that uh, Halloween Ends is going to be playing on Peacock. I can't believe it that I get to watch the new Halloween movie at home on the couch and not have to go to the theater to see it. Because I would have seen it in the theater, but uh, which is weird because that second one was absolute total dog shit. Really? Oh, it was dog shit. That first one was great. The one we went and saw was No, that good. was good. That was the first one. And then they did Halloween, the, the second Halloween, and it was horrible. Horrible, horrible. Almost unwatchable. Why do you screw it up so bad? Whew, it was really bad. Uh, so I'm hoping the third one, is, since I don't have to pay for it, and I can just watch it on my couch. Shit, yeah, I'll watch it. But uh, I'm hopefully they right the wrongs from the other one. And later this week, Barbarian comes out in that dark uh, that uh, that darling movie, the Olivia mm-hmm. Wilde movie, is supposed to be somewhat of a horror movie. So uh, there's some good horror movies coming out. Even on Disney Plus, they got Hocus Pocus two come out, which what? looks great. Those girls are like exactly the same. When you put makeup on those, that's what really makes me eager about the Beetlejuice movie. Yeah. When you put the makeup on those older people, shit, they don't. It, they look exactly the same. They look yeah. like they just walked off the set from the original one. So they could really do some amazing stuff. People need to be thinking about that. Like we said with Robert England, bringing it back to Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. Slap that makeup on them, man. Someone could like revitalize him, like they they found his bones or something like that, and they, they lightning hit him. I mean, steal something from the old Friday Thirteenth. Lightning <laughs> hits him and brings Indian, him back. Indian burial ground. Yeah, you could do something like a, a séance or something like that, bringing Freddy back, type of thing. If you're thinking about bringing Freddy back, don't do it. Yeah, well, I That's mean, it's, unless you want to make money on it. <laughs> no, I meant like it could be real. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, that could be the movie. You know, I want to bring uh, filmmakers are trying to yeah. come up with a script to bring Freddie back, and they accidentally bring Freddie back. It's just coming up with the script. I mean, we don't own the rights. We don't own the rights. We'll never get away with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could be fun, man. I like it. But in the next couple of weeks, we got some really good uh, different episodes coming up. Me and Justin are going to start this thing where we're reviewing. We're doing mini movie reviews. And we're going to do it in Justin's car. We're going to release the audio on the podcast and the video we're going to release on YouTube and Justin's going to release some on TikTok and everything. So we'll hopefully bring some more uh, traffic our way onto the podcast and uh, just get to review some new movies that have been coming out. Uh, hopefully me and Justin can take some uh, some road trips to the movie theater and we could do a couple of reviews right in the parking lot and everything. You could review Doc Hollywood and Candyman. Yeah, we could do Because those well, are local. They, that, no, we're doing new movies. No, right? I know. But if you wanted to do it from the location of a movie. Now, that would be an interesting way to do it. We're, we're on the set where Mike 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 Fox drove his car yeah. through the fence. Yep. Type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> or Devil's Advocate. This is where the church was mm-hmm. then on Devil's Advocate. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's all like mild like films. Yeah. That we we blow scene. through those pretty quick. <laughs> Filmed here It'd in be Gainesville. A three episode. Yeah. 
It would be fun, though. But yeah, I like the idea that we can uh, go from the movie theater right out the car and review it. Even grab some other patron. Hey, you want to sit in the back of the car with us? Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I guess I will. (laughs) Trying to convince them. No, this is real. We will not take off. Podcasting and kidnapping charges. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that could be fun. But yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, you can check out uh, our Facebook page, which we have all our uh, cool uh, pictures for every week's episode. You can also leave us a like or comment on SoundCloud or iTunes, or you could uh, just shoot us an email, films at gmail.com, and we'll get back to us. And we'll soon we'll be pimping our uh, our YouTube page, uh, too, at the end of these episodes. So that will be a cool coming soon type thing that's going to be happening. But until next week, when we have reviewed two more of our off our 100 favorites films lists, with me and Justin, see ya. Bye. No running in the hallway.